Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are on episode number 49. No, 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 no. 49. Um, <laughs> with special shout out to our producer, Abhijit, and our social media manager, Ella, who was dancing in the background. It's a party over here. It's a party today, and we're super excited to have you back. Thank you to those who are listening. Thank you to, to those who donated to our GoFundMe. To um, those who are just joining us. Yes. Thank you to everybody. Thank you for- You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, wherever yeah. in the world that you're listening from, um, you guys are awesome. Mm, that's right. right. So <laughs> we left off on chapter seven, uh, text number six we did. So a quick mm-hmm. recap. What's chapter seven all about? It's titled Knowledge of the Absolute. Basically what? So this is the entire chapter where we get to know who God is mm-hmm. and we hear it from God himself. So Krishna is actually describing all the different aspects about him, which is kind of cool because you know, to, to know someone is to, to love, love someone, someone, right? Yeah. To love someone is to know someone, right? And so I think we're getting to know God a little bit. Yeah. yeah. He, he's basically saying he is everything. He's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. He's also spirit and matter. And he's kind of describing all the mm-hmm. things he is and how those things are relevant to us, how some of these things are useful to our senses and useful to us in our everyday life, how some of these things make up our bodies and our Mm -hmm. consciousness and everything. So um, he's kind of explaining everything uh, a little bit at a time. Right. And he's breaking down that he has different energies, the inferior or like the material and the superior, the spiritual. And basically he's saying, we're going to have to come under someone's control. We serve something, whether it's our ego, whether it's we're all under the control of time, you know, time has its effects Mm -hmm. on everybody, like it or not. So everyone is serving and controlled by something and it's up to us with our free will. He gives us free will to choose. Are we going to serve our senses and come under the control of Krishna's material energy? Or are we going to serve him with love and come under the control of his divine love? So that's, yeah, yeah it's great All recap. Right. So the invocation that is. Oma Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Shakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. So before starting on text seven, text six basically left us off that there is uh, the material and the spiritual in this world. We talked about it's a dualistic world. You have the physical and the metaphysical, the material, the spiritual. And we mentioned how you inherently know that the metaphysical realm exists when you acknowledge things like love, morality, goodness, not just tangible things that can be measured scientifically. That's there, but there's also the other component. And with a little anecdote about, okay, someone who does charity and someone who is a serial killer, they're different. We can feel it. We know they're different. But Mm -hmm. what is the difference? It lives within the metaphysical realm. So there's a lot of things that science can't measure. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of things, like the amount of spirituality in our body, the amount of love in our body. You know what I mean? Like there's a, so many right. things. So there, there is definitely a difference between those two realms. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now Krishna is about to tell us a little bit more about himself here on text seven. All right. Chapter seven, text seven. He says, oh, conqueror of wealth, there is no truth superior to me. 
Everything rests upon me as pearls are strung on a thread. Mm. Okay, so so this is Krishna saying to Arjuna, right? Yes. And what a cool, badass nickname that is. He calls him Oak Conqueror of Wealth. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish know. people just walked around calling me that. You know, like, <laughs> Oak Conqueror of Wealth. And he says, there's no truth superior to me. So Krishna is the ultimate truth. Like that's everything that we're mm-hmm. searching for. Every existential crisis that we've ever had in our life. And the answer to every single crisis mm-hmm. is Krishna, right? So that's the truth. And so how many of you, have, um, when you were a kid, like put beads on a string and, and oh, yeah. like, did you make friendship yeah, bracelets? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. So, <laughs> so without the string, the, the beads are just chaotic. They're just having existential yeah. crisis oh, by I themselves. You know what I mean? And so like, we are kind of those pearls and we need that string, right? Oh. You know, something to rely on, something to that. depend on, something to, something to piece everything together. Otherwise we're just chaotic beings rolling around <laughs> yeah. on the floor frantically yes making other people (laughs) slip and fall exactly (laughs) if you can always search for the string through every single situation thrown your way you will find your way back home yes and the string can also be oh analogy on top of analogy the string can also be a life rope you know like that that holds on to the life path or a path analogy upon analogy (laughs) another analogy of the ropes you know we just had uh rathiacha which is the festival of chariots and the rope that we use to pull these chariots symbolize the ropes of love that we use to pull God closer into our hearts, yeah. you know? So ropes, strings, all we many need, analogies. So we need to hold on to this string because mm-hmm. that's what holds everything lifeline. together. You know, and Krishna is that string. I yeah. love that you said that, that Krishna is that string, oh, yeah. that string, the thread. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you got it, you got it. Anyways, uh, because I was, I was reading this and I was like, huh, I wonder why he's mentioning pearls. Like I can't figure out like that but I love you connected it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can all be those stringless pearls. Yeah. Mm. And stringless pearls are just random and they get everywhere <laughs> and you step on them. They're like Legos. You, know, you, ever, been a, you ever been in a toddler's house? Oh, the yeah. worst. <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> Legos lying around everywhere and you step on them and it's crazy and it's delirious. Yeah. But the moment the Legos are put in the box, everything's okay. And you know, <laughs> Krishna's that Lego box. Krishna's the Lego box. And, us being pearls who are strung on a thread, it it it, sh- it gives way to such a divine consciousness. And that's why there's a line in the purport that says, this verse in particular stresses that the absolute truth or Krishna is a person. So like, why does this verse particularly stress that he's a person? Because many times we wonder, uh, there's a common controversy, is Krishna personal or impersonal? Is he just some energy, some light up there? Or is he really, really a person? So how does this verse in particular stress that Krishna is a person. And I think you kind of said it beautifully with the analogy of, of he is that thread that brings it all together because that, that highlights, there's a consciousness behind it. It's not just some random light that's just kind of there that has no influence or direct uh, intervention in our lives. You yeah. know? Can I say something? I, yeah. I find this, I mean, you know, he, we talk a lot about personalists and impersonalists and right. sometimes I'm like, you know, like why and and here's here's my thought process on it i think like the the reason why we talk about personalism and impersonalism right. is because in and you correct me if i'm wrong okay yeah, we will. It's, <laughs> it's because uh in hinduism or indian traditions or eastern traditions let's put it like really broad eastern philosophy, uh, yeah. eastern philosophy uh there are these sort of two opposing 
belief systems, right? right? That God is a personal, someone you know, Krishna, someone you love, someone you, and then that they're, that God is a light, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting and cool and fascinating, but it keeps bringing it up. And I also think about, how about every other religion? Mm. Like, what about every everyone else? Like, is that a thing that people are really debating, whether God is a light or a, a person? Because I'm thinking about Jesus. He's a person. We get to know Jesus. I mean, I grew up watching stories about Jesus and Noah and like all these things and like, right. And like, I learned about who he was and what kind of person and like, yeah. like that. And so, um, I mean, what about all the other gods or is this a debate that happens in other philosophies too? Right. And I, I, I want to throw it to the Catholic school teacher okay, <laughs> because I don't know too much about Christianity, but I've always like figured out, okay, Jesus. Yeah. But, but Jesus is the son of God. So right. who is God? Right. right. And well, that's does God just, have a form? That was what I was going to say in the previous episode. We talked about how bhakti yoga is so unique because it gives you a address, a form, qualities, name, pastime of God. When many other traditions just leave it more like God is mysterious. God is all powerful. And yeah, Jesus is the son of God. So they worship Jesus, the Holy Spirit and God, but they don't go into too much depth on who is God. Oh, I have a question. Is the Holy Spirit a light or a more precise personality? We both look at Sean. I think the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, I know. No idea. Idea. I mean, <laughs> I need to, I, I myself want to learn more, but I think the Holy Spirit might be similar to the super soul. So it's like the, the, the oh. spiritual presence that permeates everything. So still they don't talk about it too much in the form of the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. But they talk about how may the Holy Spirit guide you. Oh, this was thanks to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this, for them, they may be have both the impersonalist and the personalist aspect right. of God. They just don't maybe focus too much on what is God's form? What is God, is God a person or not? Because I think Bhakti Yoga is very unique in that sense that we really try to get to know who is gotcha. God, what is God's form? So that when you start trying to delve in that aspect of knowing God, then you get into, is he a person? Is he not a person? We start getting into the nitty gritty when many paths maybe don't try to So do do you think this, I mean, obviously we are talking about Christianity and Catholicism and all of that because it's like the thing that is the most common in the United States, but I mean, actually probably not the most common. I'm not sure now. Second most. Second most? Okay. Something like that, right? I do want to say, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, yeah. But I was just wondering, so it it might be that I'm trying to understand it from the Bhagavad Gita perspective of why that's always the thought, why it's always about personalism or impersonalism. Mm. And I'm wondering Mm. if it's like, I personally don't have as much knowledge about every religion or like how they perceive their God, whether it's in a personal or in personal way. But from what you're speaking, Shamali, it sounds almost as though they do see God in a very impersonal way where he doesn't have a form. He doesn't have a figure. He doesn't Mm. have a particular look. We all my mainstream wise think of God as this white man with a white beard. He's older and like whatever, or, 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 Morgan Freeman, depending on what (laughs) you've seen. Right. But, uh, but, but I'm just curious, is it the case that outside of Bhakti, outside Mm -hmm. of Krishna, outside of this, that most people have a more impersonal Mm. perspective of God? What do you guys think? Uh, Just, just just like in terms of like Islam for a second, I know that, that it's more of impersonalism Mm -hmm. because there is no form to God. Right. Um, even people who are like, like I remember during, I, like even people who are trying to de- depict Muhammad, like that's like not allowed, right? Oh. And even there's no form of Allah, right? Okay. I think it's like this, this more esoteric um, 
Effulgence. Effulgence, light being, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, I don't think there is a picture of Allah. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, and, and if there's Muslim listeners out there, feel free to correct us if I'm oh, wrong. Please but, send us a message. We love I, to learn more. Yeah, but it's definitely, that particular religion is definitely more impersonal. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because actually depicting some sort of personality is against the religion because you are <sighs> confining God into a particular form oh, wow. and therefore it's defiant. Right, right. Right. Does that make sense? Fascinating. Yeah. That no, is no, so interesting. Yeah. My mom and dad were raised within Catholic families and that's something that caught her attention. Like, wow, how can, in the beginning of getting to know Bhakti, how can you limit God to this one form? Mm. Because many spiritual paths don't even try to go there. But with that said, so with, we've definitely established that Bhakti is unique in that sense. We, we, go there. We try to get to know God in a very deep, deep way that maybe many other traditions don't have. But with that said, I do want to say saintly people in any spiritual path and you see the lives of, I don't know, we've watched different movies on different saintly people in different spiritual traditions. They themselves start having a very personal relationship with God, even if they don't belong to it or believe in a text that maybe outlines what God looks like. Like I forget the name of which saintly woman that they found later on diaries that she would write to God, God, why I feel so abandoned. Why have you left me? Was it my imagination that I just felt your presence? And they, mm. she starts having this ongoing conversation with God. And later on, they discovered her diaries and deemed her a saint. So, and that wasn't in bhakti. So maybe no, but because I think at the end of the day, anyone who wants to have like the most deep like connection to God has to have a personal right, relationship. Right. And I think that's the point of bhakti yoga. Mm. And, exactly. and if you don't mind me just finishing the yeah, previous yeah, yeah. topic, I think what I find really interesting, and I'm so glad we had this conversation was that every time I thought about personalism or impersonalism, I always just thought about it within Hinduism. Mm. And now it's really interesting to think about it more so as in like most or a good chunk of other religions perceive God in a very impersonal way. Right, and, right. And here, every time Prabhupada says about, oh, well, the, the controversy between impersonal and personal, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. The rest of the world. Scale. And that that was really helpful for me. So I just mm. kind of wanted to. But No, that's a good way to reframe it because it's not just within bhakti. It's within a whole worldwide scale that generally people don't try to get into such a personal way. Even if they see God like, oh, yeah, have a loving relation with God okay, who's God? They don't really try to put their focus in that yeah, right. aspect. That's true. Yeah. But so almost to give credit to the saints in all traditions, they end up themselves having a very personal relationship with God. Even if they don't call him by name and know his form, they end up talking to him, communicating with him because they're saintly elevated souls and their hearts have connected to the personal aspect of God, yeah. whether their tradition talks about it or not. Mm. Yeah, totally. I remember having this uh, conversation like last month with uh, a Mormon man, actually. Ooh. Yeah, we were on vacation together like with a bunch of friends and like I was so interested in Mormonism because I was like this is fascinating <laughs> there's probably some preconceived notions that we all have just like people have that about the heart Christians and whatnot right so I was like I want to get to deeper uh, to know exactly what Mormons believe and right. whatnot and so he was telling me and I was like a lot of Mormonism is very similar to yeah. Christian consciousness actually because yeah. there's like believing in that one that relationship with God and whatnot but one thing that was interesting that he said was um, he also talked about the Holy Mother and mm. I was like oh so what does the Holy Mother look like and he's like no nobody knows we don't know we can't actually define her we can't put uh -huh. her into mm. like a picture because that would limit her right and so like the Holy Mother was more impersonal but like this relationship with God was more per, like more uh -huh. personal, you know? And, and I mean, I don't know if yeah. you know the answer to this because that's a very just curiosity of mm -hmm. mine. The Holy Mother, is it the Mother of God? I or? think it was the Mother of Jesus. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like the Holy Mary Mother. kind of. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That, that one's a good question. Okay, a good, maybe, I, should, maybe, I should ask him. I'm going to ask him. You know what, Shama, you maybe make not. a good point that in many traditions, they do get into, uh, especially in their way back when in their more ancient times, they get into more esoteric realms. Even within Christianity, I'm forgetting the exact name, but there's branches of old, old Christianity that were very esoteric. Some that were vegetarians. They mm. believed in kind of mm. almost these demigod-like beings. They believed in this concept of karma. So almost the line starts blending because, you know, there's been many edited versions of the Bible and Christianity morphed into maybe something that way back when, it, it, there was a very esoteric branch closer, of Christianity. More related yeah. to each other. Yeah, 100%. yeah. yeah. Just going back to Mormons for a second, they are <laughs> so similar to to Krishna consciousness because like they don't have tea, coffee, or any sort of intoxicant. They don't drink alcohol, okay. so they're like the more strict Christians, right? Oh, and right, that's that's right. why they're a little bit like they're they're kind considered of considered a little different. Yeah, considered a little different. But a lot of the, what they believe in is very very similar. They don't like to alter their consciousness because it's a, a direct deterrent to connecting to God, Ooh, which is very good, similar yeah. to us. And he also mentioned, he's like, you know, we should also be vegetarian. Like it says in the Bible that we should be vegetarian. And I was what? like, what? And he pointed out a Bible verse that said one should like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So please forgive <laughs> me. But he said, one shall not have meat unless in the times of drought or famine. Mm, right. And he's like, technically we all should be vegetarian as well and i was like oh my wow. god he admitted so that cool. to me that was really really crazy but wow. they're very very similar to people practicing bhakti yoga amazing yeah, yeah. we're all kind of the same at the end we're striving for kindness and compassion and tolerance and love of god and that's all we're every single path is trying to do and i'm so grateful to krishna in this text because he really is saying like he's the truth like he's showing mm. us to for me for me growing up in krishna consciousness i feel like i can see others and understand them better because the philosophy is so clear yeah, yeah. if that makes sense right because our philosophy is so clear and there's so much to understand we can see other religions and be like oh i i get where you're coming from oh, 100%. i get what you're trying to yeah. do i see your faith i understand and so when he says he is the truth He's the mm -hmm. ultimate truth. I'm like, yep, I, I understand where this is coming from. Yeah. You know, Priya, what you're saying popped into my head kind of like when you, it makes you see others, connect to them more. Spirituality is a framework with how to perceive the world. And there's a teacher in our line, Keshav Maharaj, that talks about being a spiritualist doesn't mean you know the most philosophy. It doesn't mean you go to the temples the most. It doesn't mean any of those things. It literally means the way you interpret the world and events that happen to you is totally different. Your perception mm. is totally different. And I can choose to perceive it from a standpoint of everything that crosses my path is an opportunity to grow and to connect deeper to my source or not. So it just changes the very fabric of how we see life. Yeah. And totally. I, th I think that people who are also trying to build their own relationship with God, whether it's in bhakti yoga or whether it's in a different religion, I think it's our job to also encourage them to build their relationship with that right. particular their personal with, relationship, their personal with, relationship with whatever they want to call God. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think at the end of the day, like Krishna says, there is no truth superior to me. They're working on that truth, right? Yeah. They might call that truth a different name and we might call him Krishna, but mm. that's okay at the end of the day. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. At the very end of the purport, there's a few nice lines that talk about Krishna. 
Maybe Priya, you want to read the first few that starts with, I know the Supreme Personality of Godhead and I'll read the next few. <laughs> I love so, this. I love Shavali these. really wants this. Like, right, let's do it. Uh, yeah, it's just describing Krishna through, um, it, it's a little quote from a different book that gets put in here. So it says, I know that Supreme Personality of Godhead who is transcendental to all material conception of darkness. Only he who knows him can transcend the bonds of birth and death. There is no way for liberation other than this knowledge of that Supreme Person. There is no truth superior to that supreme person because he is the supermost. He is smaller than the smallest and greater than the greatest. He is situated as a silent tree and he illuminates the transcendental sky. And as a tree spreads it, its roots, he spreads his extensive energy. It feels a little spoken word a little bit. It's like <laughs> tree spreads its roots, 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 roots. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very poetic. Just yeah. describing Krishna a little bit cool. more. Cool. Anything else on this verse, ladies? No. I think we're good. All right. Chapter text. seven, text number eight. eight. Go, Shama Sankita. Oh, son of Quinti, I am the taste of water, the mm. light of the sun and the moon, the syllable Om in the Vedic mantras, I am the sound in ether and ability in man. Oh, I that, love that. Love, made me love feel things. Yeah. Didn't that As make you feel a little? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Krishna also here is saying, because we were talking before about, is he personal? Is he impersonal? One might think, isn't the sound of ether uh, impersonal? But Krishna's saying, I am everything. I am all the energies. I'm the personal and the impersonal. I'm the taste of water, the light of the sun and the moon. It's just so beautiful because it really explains how the Lord is all pervasive by his diverse material and spiritual energies. Yeah. And so I just want to like, I want to put a little bit of bookmark here, right? Okay. So chapter seven, text eight, this is where Krishna goes through an entire grocery list of who he <laughs> is. Okay. Yeah. So for the next whole bunch of verses, we're like, Krishna is just going to be listing exactly who he is. Yeah. So if you ever wondered, he's literally going to give you a notepad and like, check, 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 I'm check, this, check, I'm check. I'm this, this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. From macro to micro. Exactly. So, right, I love it. I Like, you mentioned that we started off very macro, and now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of, like, what does God, What? who is God? Yeah. What is he like? What is his personality like? We're going to, he's literally giving us a checklist, and I love these next set of verses. Yeah, right. can I can I break down the first part? Yes. Yeah. So, he says, I am the taste of water. Why is he the taste of water? Well, it says here, the taste of water is the active principle mm. of water, right? What is it What is it that we perceive from water, but if taste, right? Right? Yeah. If someone gives you some other drink and they give you water and you're really thirsty, water is this amazingly oh, satisfying yes. thing, right? That you can't even explain because the taste is almost imperceivable. Yeah, 100%. Um, So he's like, I am that. That is like a really crazy thing that you hardly mm. can explain, but it's so satisfying, so refreshing, yeah. so incredible. And you know when you would take a hike, like when you go on a really long hike for literally, like I remember me and my partner went on a hike in Hawaii and it was literally like six hours to the summit. It's your worst nightmare. No, it literally my worst. If I knew <laughs> if it was going to be six hours, I would not have gone on that hike. You know what I mean? Like 20 minute hike is like my jam. Okay. They trick you to be like, it's just around the corner. It's just around, it's around the corner. corner. It's fine. And then I remember when we got to this, the we, we took multiple breaks, but when we got to the summit, the only thing I wanted was water. Then mm. there's nothing that can replace that yes. taste of water. Nothing oh. at all. You know what I mean? It's purity. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, there's just, it's incredible. It's really hard to like, explain. If someone gave me a Mountain Dew at the top, I'd be like, no, like that's not, it's not, it's not going to cut <laughs> no, it. You thank mean? you. So like, I love that Christian says that he is the actual taste of water because that's irreplaceable. 
Bible. That's yeah. like, we need that. And mm. and it also says here, uh, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase, but it basically saying like, imagine if someone gave you salt water, <laughs> right? That's not yeah. good enough because it's not the purest form. And he's saying, right. I am the purest form, just water, the, the, the cleanest possible. Then he goes to say the light of the sun and the moon. So like Oof. I'm perceiving this as like, imagine these two planets without any light in them. Oh boy. What would they be? Rocks. Yeah. yeah. They would just be rocks. Floating rocks. Right. And there's nothing that can replace, you know, the light that comes through your window in the morning. You know what oh. I mean? Like, or when you step out oh and my like God. You, you feel that sun on your face and the light on your face, there's nothing that can replace that. No. So the theme that I'm seeing is these things are irreplaceable. The things yeah. in our life that are 100% cannot be made by man and mm. are completely irreplaceable. I mean, at yeah. least for Shamas and Gita and myself, I can say that we we love California so much. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the the sun. Mm-hmm. The amount of sun we get every day. Or I the, love California too. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know, you know. We, we've Shamley talked about it before. To be feel included. I'm sorry. Shamley <laughs> loves it too. No, actually, but side note, I moved from Dallas, Texas, where everything was flat. So when I moved to California, I fell in love with yeah, the Yeah, we nature. all moved yeah. here. That's actually, that I wasn't sure because you've been here for, I think, longer than both right, of us. Right, right. But No, I love um, it. Yeah, every time we go out to nature, Shamas and Gita and I are like, we can't believe we're here. The water, the mountains, yeah. the sun, the the breeze, everything about it is so incredible. Yeah, and and, and everything is Krishna. These are these are you know, I mean, Krishna is saying it here himself, right? Right. And then the next part of the purport dives into an interesting concept because Krishna is all these things: the the light of the sun and the moon, the taste of water. But it dives into the concept of admire the artist and not just the artwork. So Mm. for example, when you're seeing a sunset, admire the creator behind the sunset and not just the pretty rays because right after the the point you let uh, rewind right after the part you read i can't say red oh my god you said it you could red you got this right after the part you read priya it says that (laughs) someone who is impersonal might just think oh the taste of water is so nice they don't see the but someone who's a personalist might glorify the lord for kindly supplying the taste of Mm. water to quench man's thirst thirst (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and his ability to speak English. It's it's an it's another level of awareness. Yeah. In my perspective. Perse- wow. Oh my god. It's, it's contagious. It's contagious. <laughs> in my perspective. Like so thirsty. <laughs> yeah, and it's they say this is the way of perceiving the supreme because practically speaking, there really is no conflict between personalism and impersonalism because one who really knows God knows that the impersonal conception and the personal one are simultaneously present in everything. There's no contradiction, you know, they're, they're simultaneous oneness and difference. So that's why this whole concept summarized of admire the artist and not just the artwork of creation. I yeah. love that. Then it goes to talk about the syllable om. Mm. And um, it, it basically says that the syllable om encompasses all of Krishna. Yes. Right. And Anything sometimes it's weird that? when I see it on the backs of yoga instructors and I'm like, oh my God. But I think that <laughs> syllable is very, very, um, it's, it's profound in the, in its healing properties. I used to do this thing in my early twenties where I would go on YouTube and I would type in ohm sound for 60 minutes. And hmm. I would literally just like, sometimes I would sit and sometimes I would just like go about my day and my chores and whatnot. But there is something so beautiful about mm. just sitting in mm. that sound. 
it's like you guys need to try it like it don't knock like don't take my word for it okay <laughs> like just sit and like listen to this youtube <laughs> meditation of like just the syllable om and it like does something to your consciousness right you know and like again don't don't hey, take my word for it hey we you can know? have them experience it right now okay you oh, do it? okay, okay if you're yeah. listening to this wherever you are close your eyes unless you're driving stay open take it <laughs> yeah take a deep breath in take a deep breath deep breath out All of us. If your world is not shook right now, <laughs> it's probably because you were driving. Okay, <laughs> but that sound is so powerful and so incredible, and it's like just listen to it on YouTube if you can. If you ever have ten minutes in your day, it's like this, like it pierces your consciousness. Yes. Like it's like, and it's it's unex, uh, unexplainable, right? And I think Shama, when you said, it just kind of irks you when you see maybe not irks but it, it's lol when you see just a yoga teacher have it on their back maybe explain that for a second because it's a little disconnected from the meaning right That's right, right 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 i think i think to understand the power of that symbol and understanding the power of that sound yeah. is very important especially if you are a yoga teacher especially if you are not of indian origin and you're a yoga teacher i think it's very important and i don't care that you're 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 a yoga teacher i think that's wonderful but i think that sometimes when we when when you take um, something that is is the foundation is spiritual and you make it just material or you make mm -hmm. it just physical, you're actually doing a disservice to mm -hmm. the people that you're teaching. Right? right. So I think in order for for yoga teachers to to level up their game and to give their practitioners the full benefit mm. of 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 their teaching they need to align with the actual connection of yoga and that that mean yoga means to connect to something higher than yourself right. and i think that is the whole point and without that you're you're doing a disservice to your practitioners yeah and we've I said this that. before like shama says yoga means union and bhakti means love so we're just talking about how to connect in the highest form of love or union to our divine source and we've said it before Yoga is so much more than Lululemons and downward dogs. It's part of a whole umbrella of this philosophy that's supposed to prepare you. All of the physical yogas prepare you to digest this philosophy, to connect to our source. It's not just the physical aspect. It's also the intellectual, the emotional, the connection. Yeah. So if you're thinking about getting an ohm tattoo on your lower back, please don't. And <laughs> and if uh, and if you do have a different part of your body. I've never you thought about that, but you're yeah. right. Like what is the, I mean, maybe to some people it has a higher significance to them, but the, the ideal usage of ohm is in saying it yeah it's, it's a sound, sound vibration yeah it is in the yeah <laughs> that's really interesting because it's really good to bring that to people's awareness oh 100 right? not yeah. to say that you couldn't have your own meaning maybe that's how you first got connected to to your bhakti philosophy or your own spiritual practice whatever it might be mm -hmm. but understanding the fundamental like 
background of these spiritual practices right. is really useful. 100%. Yeah, right. I agree. The last line of this purport is a super concise, just boom. Wait, before line. you do that, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, we, well, there's we one were, more line in the verse. Yes, right? we're going, we're going to the text a little bit at a time. So it oh, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the sound in ether. Mm. And so I looked up ether because I was like, Mm. What's an ether? <laughs> What's an ether? Part of an How can I get one? Um, <laughs> can I get one? It's on Amazon. <laughs> um, it says it's the the clear sky, the upper regions of air beyond the clouds. Mm, the upper so. regions of air beyond the clouds. I love that in both the description of the purest taste of water and in ether, it's like that almost like it's in its purest, simplest form yeah. before you add all of the coverings the layers i'm also really curious to understand what it means what does it mean to be the sound in ether because it's like is it completely peaceful and quiet is that what we're referring to like what does it sound like up above in the clouds without disruptance i love that i think it's some beautiful beautiful sound it reminds me of this cough drop commercial back in the 90s okay <laughs> she's like i'm sorry what every other yeah. day so this man okay in this commercial in the, it was in the 2000s so you might be a little bit young for this okay, okay you're not that old <laughs> Calm down. Get out of here. So in this in this commercial, this man walked to the top of a mountain and all he did was he shouted the name of the cough drop brand, which is Ricola. <laughs> and I think that's the sound in ether. Okay? Oh my God. I would like to disagree with you. <laughs> I would like to Politely. take back the last that's 30 so seconds of my life because you wasted true. my life. <laughs> a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I'm super curious. I wish I knew more about what that, that sound is. I'm curious to see. But I, I'm imagining it as a peaceful sound. I can almost like imagine you're, yeah, you're in space. You're in total desolution. Desolation. One of those words. You're in total isolation. And that sound when there's no sound. So start imagining what's the sound when there's absolutely no sound around you. That's, that's so cool. That's, that ether. is really cool. You know, just think about it for a second. The sound when there's no sound. Let's just be quiet for a second. I mean, we still hear sound, but still. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Mm. It's fascinating. It's I, we so can't I, really oh, hear it right now. I mean, yeah. for at least for us with the headphones but and everything, we hear a little bit of a noise. Uh, we hear a humming. You know what similarity there is? Mm -hmm. Krishna is not a cheap experience to feel. It's yeah. hard to perceive him, just like it's hard to really imagine what does ether sound like? What's the purest taste of water yeah. taste like? Mm -hmm. He is the most pure form of everything. Yeah. That's a really, this verse is like blowing my mind I all over again. Verse, yeah. It's so cool. Like I've read it before, but it's like, it's really blowing my mind because when you think about each of these things that we just described, they're so essential and so unique and hard mm -hmm. to describe how meaningful they are to our lives. And so right? ir irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Yeah. I mean, the taste of water, the light of the sun and the moon, how amazing does it feel to be under the moon and the stars yeah. and just mm -hmm. perceive this creation and understand yeah. the creator in that way. Like these are incredible incredible like the most precious things we actually have and imagine we didn't have those first oh, i cannot imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah you know when you go under this the more you learn about creation or like i took a botany class in college and the more you d dive into the inner workings of a plant for example I'm sorry, you took what in what a botany class <laughs> of course in you college okay. in Texas? <laughs> no no i had to no it's in uh, santa monica oh, uh, you have to take that makes sense that makes to, a lot more sense that does make more but sense but it's one of the requirements you have to take one of the sciences with the lab for a certain amount of hours yeah, yeah, to graduate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so i took botany thinking plants 
easy. Cool. No, 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 no. If anybody knows Shamali, this makes total sense for her. It's accurate. I'm like, oh yeah, of course you took a botany (laughs) class in college. (laughs) It was that or I don't even remember what else. You had to do a science. But botany ended up being so interesting because you start learning about the inner workings of the plants. And I remember one afternoon riding to the beach and all the trees were in full bloom. They had these yellow flowers all around. California is known for its vegetation. And you start having these deeper appreciation for like the creation around you. And for so many people, when you start appreciating um, Krishna's impersonal energy, which is nature around us, you start actually deeply appreciating his personal um, magnificent artwork of a creation, him, Mm -hmm. you know, because how can you think that this was all just randomly combusted? (laughs) Science might analyze the, the... physical, chemical reactions, but then there has to be something beyond that that created because it's so perfect. And the more you learn about the plants, even what to speak of everything else, mm-hmm. it is so intricate. So it's almost a miracle that it's even happening with how perfectly timed. If one thing goes out of the timing, it doesn't work. Yeah. And yep. it's amazing when you start learning about it. So Krishna is incredible. Yeah. The way he fabricated in such an in-depth way, such a precise, perfectly timed way, this whole creation. Yeah. Consciousness comes from consciousness. Yeah. And he and he says here in the, the last part of this text, he says that he is also the ability in man. Mm. And I, and that is a huge and woman. thing. To, uh, yes. <laughs> Men and women. Yes. <laughs> a huge. Um, he's. Krishna is the ability in all of us, yeah. right? And, and and that I think that's a really broad thing because it's he's the ability for us to perceive, to appreciate, to understand, to have an ability, like the ability to do it's 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 I mean, again, another hearting hard thing to describe, but an incredible thing that he's giving mm-hmm. to us. You know, I have a personal Uh, connection with this ability in man part of the text because I've mentioned before I used to be a competitive ice skater Mm -hmm. it would be very high pressure because years of training boils down to three minutes on the ice and I'd get very nervous and my mom would talk to me about the teachings from the Bhagavad Gita to kind of control my nerves and I've mentioned before in different episodes that right just like Arjuna wanted to run to the forest Krishna said no do your duty life is just like a stage it's all already happened so be detached from the results let go of the outcome and just perform. So that's what I would try to apply similarly with ice skating. And my mom would quote this, Krishna is the ability in man. Mm. So the ability that you're going to be able to go out there and perform, that's Krishna. So deeply pray to Krishna. It was in a very prayerful mood that I would try to approach him and be like, okay, please, Krishna, you're the ability in man. Please help me now do my performance. Like I've trained and let the muscle memory kick in. Yeah. Even you having the, the amazing talent to even be considered for the Olympics. That's so beautiful. And I love that you can recognize that that's not you. That's Krishna. Right. Like skating through you. You know what I mean? That's an important point that you just highlighted that recognizing that all of our abilities come from Krishna, because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden when we recognize it, we can then also use it in service because what's the use of me being, we talked about Shama. We like to connect through speaking to people about it or Priya, you like Kirtan. What's the use of having the best voice or the best charismatic personality to connect with people if you're not going to use that in service? So step one is great if you can recognize what are your God-given talents. We all have different unique talents. And then a step further, how can I use that to give back in service to make the world a better place? Because ultimately... These were the abilities given to me by Krishna. He yeah. is the ability in man. Yeah. I mean, for example, for our team, like the, 
Abhijit's ability to produce all this stuff and have right. that, you know. And learn what to do with all these wires and connections and, and speakers and, and audio. And Ella's ability way. to create social media content that yeah. is amazing. She's and knowing how to film all these yeah. things. Film, edit, the creativity I mean, involved. Like, that's, we can do that. spiritualize yeah. everything. Yeah. Any kind of service, anything that it, like, comes natural to you, you can use it to the service of Krishna and to connect deeper. Right. And I think that what you nailed, like, on the head, Shamli, is, like, literally what our purpose in this life is, right? Yeah. It's really trying to be self-aware, to understand what we're good at, what we're not so good at, you know <laughs> what I mean? And taking what we are good at, this God-given ability, whatever it may be, and using that to essentially make the world a better place, to use it right. in service, right? To use it towards your relationship with God and also to help humanity, right? Like right. if you're ever, ever at a place in the crossroads in your life where you're like, what am I supposed to do here? If you come back to that and yeah. understanding your ability and using it in service, like that's the name of the game here. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So that that kind of wraps up text eight in terms of the the actual text. Yeah. Right. Is there anything you wanted to add Just to that, Shamali? The very last line, super concise. I loved it. It says, knowledge of Krishna is liberation and ignorance of him is bondage. Mm. So maybe we could say that for a second. What does that mean to you? Because that's a very synthesized way to say it. Like it almost it might sound harsh, but knowledge of him, then we're truly free. And we have the free will to decide what are we going to engage our senses in? I think... Not uh, bondage in the... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. But bondage just means tied up. Right. Right. Because you know what? If, <laughs> remember how we talked about how like there's strings attaching us I to this material say, world? Remember how we talked about there's children listening to our episodes? <laughs> I mean, also that, but like how there's strings attached, like that things that attach yeah. us to the material world, That's right? Bondage. Like all these chains. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So basically... <laughs> Sama Sangeeta. Um, Use so, our strengths for service. Strength so the comedy. knowledge is liberation <laughs> in the sense that like the more we understand what role we play, what role, what role Krishna plays, and the more we understand like what it, what it, what this world is all about, the right. more close we are to liberation, but the more ignorance of these things, the further and more tied up we get into this material world. Right. Yeah. And I can, you know what? We're not saying you have to do this. That's why Krishna gives you free will. Go ahead. Spend your whole life chasing money, fame, power. Let's see how you feel at the end of your life. Are you yeah. satisfied with the yeah. life you lived? Can you leave this world knowing I've done everything in my power to give back? Because you know what? Or even just, are you happy? Yeah, are you happy? Yeah. I mean, because a lot of people measure their their success in life, whether they're happy. And happiness is a hard thing to achieve because right. material uh, bondage, as we said, like material <laughs> being attached to these the material <laughs> things just makes it harder and harder for us to get out of the rat race that we've talked about, yeah. you know? And yeah. so it's like, are you really in peace? Are you really happy at the end of your life? Did you really connect deeper to, to yourself, to your family, to others, to mm -hmm. service? Like all these meaningful things things right yeah right. and i think if you're listening that's an experiment that you can do for in your own life try it for the next six months right yeah. like we can we can disregard all these principles and try to live for our own personal material happiness and chase all of those things yeah. or you can take the next six months after that um and and try to to use your talents for the service of others and for the yeah. service of God, yeah. right? You like know, try the try the thought experiment for yourself. With what you're saying, Shama, it literally is. We were talking about like science being things you can measure. 
Go ahead and use this spiritual science and do the case study on yourself. Yours is the subject. It gives you the practice, the daily practice you can do. Do it on yourself. Like you're saying, yeah. for six months, <clears throat> see the difference it makes in the study. Yeah. Do and, the study on yourself. Yeah. And I've just seen my friends go through this, right? Where it's like they've been so averse to some of the things mentioned here. But then the moment that they start being open-minded towards it and start implementing it, even little by little, it can be life-changing. And we've yeah. seen that in our own personal lives. Yeah. So basically remember, admire the artist, the supreme artist, and not just the artwork or his creation. Ooh, well said. Dun, dun, dun. I think that's a good way to end the episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will continue the next episode with chapter seven, text number nine. We are so grateful for you all and this opportunity to speak about what we love and deeply believe in. Yes. Thank See you so you much, next everybody. Time. Bye. Bye. Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.